I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us and welcoming us so wonderfully every time to Pastor John and Mundry for your kindness and your um, partnership down through the many years. We appreciate you and what God is doing through you and what he's building here is beautiful. We travel quite extensively. We travel to many different churches. We partner with many different expressions of the body of Christ and this is a delightful church building here and what God is gonna do. Um, as the saying goes, the future's so bright you have to wear shades. <laughs> God's gonna do some things through this church and we're just really excited. Thank you for the honor of being here. We appreciate it, don't take it lightly. So good to be here with you all and uh, you all look so good. Why don't you smile at somebody and say, you look so good, I'm glad you're sitting next to me. <laughs> all righty. I've got a message today, it's called Life Giving Speech. Life Giving Speech. I was the very fortunate recipient of Life Giving Speech from a father who was deliberate about speaking life over me. He would constantly speak affirmation over me. He would say, you can do that, boy. You could do that. And I grew up with an innate, self of, innate sense of self-worth and a conviction that I could do most things. And I didn't think that anything was strange because he said that to me in a thousand different ways. It was constant, consistent. You could do that, boy. And so I realized only later in life when I was taking on a project that I had no business taking on, I'd never done it before. And somebody asked me, have you ever done this before? And I was like, no, but how hard could it be? I could do this. And they go, you know, it's quite complicated. I was like, yeah, but I could do it. We can figure this out. And I realized my father had left a legacy for me. It wasn't money, it wasn't external things. It was an internal value system. It was internal confidence. It was beauty on the inside. And I, and I resolved in that moment when I caught that, I, I realized, wow, if I have this power, just as he had, then I'm gonna use my lips, I'm gonna use my speaking to bless the people that I love around me. I'm gonna be really deliberate. I have made up my mind that when my daughter turned 18, if somebody said to her, you know, what was the worst thing your father said to you? She'd have to just go, yeah, yeah. My father spoke over me and I lived into what he spoke. I can't take the credit for that. He spoke something over me. You know, oh, well, he was just fortunate, that's just your natural gifting. No, his speaking created that space for me. And I suspect that's why sometimes Jesus changed some of the biblical characters' names. You ever figure that out? Jesus kept talking, kept calling people by different names. Simon, he called Peter. The sons of Zebedee, he called Bo and Erges, sons of thunder. Thomas, he called Didymus. Jesus had names for people. He changed their name. Because some of them were living into their names and their names weren't very good. So he said, you know, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna call you this. The patriarch uh, called his son Benjamin. His wife, Sarah, in, in, as she was dying, she, uh, she, uh, she called him Ben-Oni, the son of my sorrow, because she died in childbirth. And Jacob said, yeah, I can't let that name stand. So he changed his name to Benjamin, the son of my right hand, the son of my strength. Much better name, right? And so we can learn to speak into people's life if you understand, and we're gonna get into some of the details, but if you understand how you can speak to people, that what you say can make a significant difference. I'm hoping today, this is what I'm shooting for, I'm hoping to, to equip you, to teach you, to equip you with something that would be a weapon of tremendous power which resides currently in your mouth. And I wanna just give you just a few principles that maybe help you be really skillful at it. And if you are, I think you're gonna find a tremendous harvest. So let me get started with this and, and then we'll dive into it and we'll talk a little bit about it. As a foundation, I want you to understand that the Bible teaches that there are three things that your tongue has the power to do. So three things your tongue has God-given power to accomplish. You ready? Number one, your tongue has the power of life and it has the power of death. Your tongue can speak both. There is a fascinating scripture in Proverbs 12. It says, uh, the one version, it's a, it's a paraphrased version, the 
the new something version. It says, as surely as the work of your hands reward you, so the words of your mouth. This says a person will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words. And the deeds of a person's hands will return to him. If you work hard, you're gonna get a salary. If you speak deliberately, you'll, you'll reap a harvest, a crop that will do you good. So let's go to Proverbs 18. And Proverbs 18, 21 says, your tongue has the power of life and death. And if you love it, if you, if you concentrate here, if you learn to play this game well, you will eat its fruit. Your tongue has the power of life and death. And if you love it, you'll eat its fruit. You were created in God's image and God, the way God creates is he believes in his heart and he speaks it with his mouth. And when God says, this is what it's gonna be, that's what happens. God speaks into the places that do not yet exist as though they are, right? That's what the Bible says. The God who calls the things that are not, the, the literal in the Greek says that he calls the things that be not as though they be. The things that do not exist. So if you look with a natural eye, it's not there, but God says this is what it is. That's the God. You're created in his image. And so he put this power in your mouth. And so, so Romans, many of you will know, says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. There is creative power in the, in the, the co-joining of what you believe and what you speak. Now this is especially powerful when you're speaking to somebody and you really believe what you're saying and you say it to them because their spirit has a natural ability to discern truth and they're gonna taste it from you. They go, he really believes what he's saying. Now your tongue has the power of both life and death and so make up your mind to speak well. I was in a mall many years ago. I was walking down a mall in a shopping center and this guy dragged his little, she looked like she was about five. He was obviously angry. The girl was screaming and there'd been a drama and he pulled her out into the middle of the sidewalk, you know, kind of in the walkway and he said, you're a stupid, useless girl. And what a waste of time. I wish I'd never had you. And I was so affronted. I was so shocked by it. The brutality of that just stopped me dead in my tracks. And I looked at him. And he obviously looked at me and he caught up and, and he, he, he caught him. So he slowed down a little and, and then he, he walked off with her. And I, I wanted to hit him. I, I, you know, because it, if he'd have physically beaten that girl, I don't think he could have done more damage to her. Because he spoke death over the, yeah, that, his daughter. How do you come back from that? The only way I can think of is he fell to his knees and he said to her, I, I am so sorry, that was wrong. That is not true. Please forgive me. Your tongue has the power of life, has the power of death. You can learn to speak. I, I had a, a recently in the last few years, the Lord has been giving me words of knowledge and uh, he, he gave me one a couple of months back and he said, there's a woman here, gave me her name and told me her birthday. And he said, she's losing all her teeth. And uh, he said, it's because she's been cursing her children and her grandchildren. Tell her that if she starts blessing her children, I'll heal her teeth. It's kind of a rebuke, right? So I, I didn't wanna say all of that out loud. So I said, there's a lady here, your name is this and this is your birthday. Where are you? Nobody answers. So I go, okay. Because about half the time when I give a word of knowledge, they don't come, they come afterwards. So it's fine. So this lady comes to me afterwards. She goes, that's my mother. That's her name, that's her birth date. So I said to her, is your mom losing all her teeth? She goes, yeah. I said, then I have a word of the Lord for you. Tell your mother, start blessing your children and bless your grandchildren and I'll heal your teeth. She was a visitor in our church, by the way. First time. She said, I'll go tell her. I said, great, there you go. Your tongue has the power of life and death. Be careful what you use it for. Now, I'm not talking about we never have the ability to say to somebody, hey, that's out of line, stop that, don't do that. No, there is correction. There is a time for us to say, hey, no, 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 come back in line. I'm just saying that you have to be very careful with how you speak because most people are gonna live into the consistent voice over their life. It is the rare exception that breaks free from the death that's been spoken over them. Rare exception. 
Think about that little girl whose father is free to say that to her. Where do you think that little girl's gonna go for affirmation? To him? No, I don't think so. I'm talking about how to learn to love speaking well, speak blessings, speak life over people. Make it a habitual thing that you do. Train yourself like a spiritual exercise. Build up this muscle of speaking life. Refuse to speak out death. You'll be amazed what kind of fruit is produced. And whether you know this or not, whether you've understood this reality or not, this is a universal truth that is currently working in your life in some measure. Many years ago, it was my habit, I put my daughter to bed, uh, we, would, we would chat and pray, and, and I would tell her a story, and I'd give her three options, and she would say, what stories are there, and I'd just make up stuff, and then she'd say, that one, and then I'd tell her a story, I'd make up a story about, and in the story, there was always a little girl who, was, who looked remarkably like my daughter, and she was always bold, and strong, and brave, and honest, and upright, and godly, and and to be admired. And I would tell her stories and I'd tell her stories and tell her stories. And one day she said to me, did tell me a story? And I said, there was one, there was this beautiful young girl and she just was strong and so clear headed and she was beautiful. And she goes, dad, not about me. <laughs> and I felt in my spirit, I was like, yes, yes. This little girl has started to internalize the values because I'd been speaking it over her for a couple of years. Not about me, Dad. Tell me a story about someone else. <laughs> what are you speaking over the people you love? It's important, this. Your tongue has the power of life and death. Number two, your tongue has the power of direction. You can direct the course of somebody's life by what you say. James chapter three says this. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is not at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go, likewise the tongue, your tongue. It's like the rudder of a ship, or the bit in the mouth of a horse. Direction is in the power of the tongue. It's a small part of the body, makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. And the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, can corrupt the whole body, set the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The direction of somebody's life, and sometimes the direction of your own life, is determined by what you speak. You can set an expectation. You can set a worldview. You can push people in a direction. Why on earth would we choose to point people in the direction of destruction when we have the opportunity to point them towards what is healthy and whole and right and good and will lead to their blessing? Let's direct people around us with what we say. Somehow, when my daughter was very young, somebody told her, you make terrible decisions. She had some mean friends. And it sort of settled in her and she started to believe them. And uh, so we'd go out to restaurants when she was like eight, nine, 10, and she, she couldn't make a decision. So what do you wanna eat? I don't know, I don't know. And then we'd all have ordered and she was like, no, I don't know what to order. And, and so I noticed this and, I, and I, saw, I said to the Lord, what should I do? And he said, start telling her she makes good decisions. So the next time we were in a restaurant, I said, what do you want to order? She goes, oh, I don't know, I can't, I can't make a decision. I go, but you make great decisions. And for the next three or four years, I, I kept telling her that. You make great decisions. Can't make a bad decision here, what do you want? And then when she make a decision, I go, oh, that's a good one. Maybe I should have that, you know? And then so why, she's 16, and I'm having the discussion with her about boys and who to bring home. And I said, listen, I only had two rules. He must love Jesus, that's for my sake. Number two, he must know where he's going. That's for her sake. Because she's a strong woman. She needs a man who knows where he's going. I said, if you bring somebody home, he's still gonna find himself. You know, have you ever noticed how people wanna go find themselves in, in Europe and they've never been there before? 
If you've never been there before, you didn't get lost there. You can't find yourself there. Is that fair? So she, I said to her, listen, if you bring home a guy who's still trying to find himself, I'm gonna hit for distance. She says, dad, don't worry. What are you worrying about? I'll never do that to you. I make great decisions. Amen? Somehow in the eight years between when she couldn't make a decision and when I'm having this discussion, she's going, I got this, Dad. Relax. You didn't, even, you didn't just relax. I make great decisions. It had gone through and settled in her spirit. Now she's walking in it. She's known in her career. She's known for her level head, clear thinking, great decision-making power. People seek her out for that. Your tongue is the power of direction. What are you doing with it? Oh, Greg, I, I can't. That's just fake. That's just, that's just hyping people up. No, it's not. You can direct somebody the course of their life because that's what the Bible says. Your tongue has been given authority by God like the bit in the mouth of a horse, like the rudder of a ship to determine direction. Be deliberate with it. Concentrate on what you say to those you love. Number three, are you still with me? Cool. Your tongue has the power of definition. Your tongue has the power of definition. Genesis 2 says, The Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. God has assigned to human beings the authority of definition of naming things. He said, you can give it its name. You can say that. I wonder what that is down by the lake. I think I'll call it a snake. You have the power to define things. And you can set, you can say things about people. And I have discovered that the more regularly you say something that you really believe, or better yet, that you've heard from God, the more you say that, the more that becomes the reality that they walk in, the definition that they grow into. It's as simple as that. When I was, I was a young man, I wasn't praying about marriage. I was asking the Lord if I could date myself. And uh, he gave me a scripture. He said, houses and wealth are, are acquired from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. I was 17 at the time. I wasn't thinking wife, but that was the word the Lord gave me. And the amount of times in my marriage when I've spoken it out of Michelle, I said, a prudent wife is from the Lord. And she has proven to be a, the most prudent person in my life. Wise counselor, prudent. I broke this bone, I broke this wrist playing rugby, I broke this one playing soccer. I broke another seven ribs at various times playing rugby. I broke my nose playing water polo. I broke my zygomatic arch when I was playing squash. Some guy let his racket go. I, what else? Oh, I cracked my skull playing baseball. Um, then I got married. And I haven't broken anything. Because a prudent wife is from the Lord. And then I get all, I can run through this wall. And she puts her hand gently on my knee. And she goes, oh, we could walk around through the door. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. I, no doubt you could do that. Probably going to break something. But we, we could walk around this way too. For this reason, Ephesians 3 says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. The real truth is, I want to speak to the dads in the house. Fathers, you have an unbelievable authority in the spirit to speak definition over the people that you love. Define them well. Define them well. We were, we were in Uganda three or four years ago, and there was, a, there's a, there was one of the tribes up there. The culture is to berate and beat and, and shout at and that's, that's kind of the parenting thing. And I spoke this, I, I taught on life-giving speech and uh, the, the kind of the head guy of the tribe, he, he was so deeply convicted. He went home and he called his whole family together and he had his wife stand there and he said to the family, I, I, I need to repent for the way I've treated your mother because this is a beautiful woman and she, 
um, she has served me so beautifully. And she began to weep because it was the first time he had ever spoken to her without shouting. And then he, he, so he honored his wife and then he went around the room and he honored each of his children. He said, this is what I love about you. This is who you are. And he said the next morning he left before five o'clock to get to the conference and his young son got out of bed and came running up to him and said, because he, he called it a family meeting. His young son grabbed him and said, Dad, can we do family meeting again tonight? <laughs> the people around you, you, you don't understand the people around you are waiting for something from you. And friends, you have the power. You, you really have a God-given power in your mouth. You can do it. When I was, I was at Bible college, I told the story earlier, I was in Bible college in second year and you know, just John Kuhner, who was the dean of the Bible college, came to me and he said, do you, do you meditate in the scriptures? And I go, oh, I love to do that. And he said, that's great because we've got a, a conference coming up and I'd like you to teach on biblical meditation. I said, great. I said, just for giggles, who, who else is teaching? And he said, Pastor Ed, who was a senior pastor of the church, and David Griffiths, who was a recognized prophet, and Gerda Lightgeber, who was in charge of intercessors all over the country. I said, I can't speak with them. Those are the, those are the heavyweights, man. I, I'm just a, you know. And he said, of course you can. You have a communication gift. And as he said it, it settled in me. It just clicked. I went, click. I have a communication gift. I was like, praise God. I have a communication gift. Now, it's not like that I hadn't preached ever before, but when he said it, I don't know how to explain it. When he said it, something clicked. It just went, click. The people around you, the people around you are waiting for you to recognize them and say, this is who you are. And I love it. There's an informal fallacy, if you've ever studied logic, um, called ad vericundium. It's advericundium is the appeal to an illegitimate authority. It's somebody who is an authority in one area of life speaking into another area. It's like Hollywood stars speaking into politics or, you know, you go like, look, stick to acting. You know, you're really good at that. Or Tiger Woods, a couple of years back, was selling Buicks in America. The, arguably the greatest golfer in the world is selling motocross. Oh, this is a great car. And Buick sales went through the roof because it was Tiger Woods. But it's not logical. The more logical thing would be to get the most, the best mechanic in the world sitting in a Buick and going, this is a great motor car. Because then you go, oh, he knows what he's doing. But well, I don't know whether Tiger Woods knows anything about the engine of a car. More appropriate if Tiger said, this is the best golf ball in the world. It's easy to believe. So sometimes in life, we have somebody who's an authority, but not in the area that they're speaking into. For example, your, your, your children's friends are gonna have authority in their life. Not necessarily good. You're the authority in their life. Let's not get confused about who has authority. If you're a believer and if they, in your family you have an authority to speak life and direction and definition, so use it. You're the legitimate authority for them. So be careful how you speak and what you do. Because I've discovered it's not the names that people call you that define you. It's the ones that you answer to that define you. Some years back, my daughter was off in children's ministry and somebody was doing something naughty and they dragged her into it. And the teacher came in and saw my daughter and she said, you're a bad, bad little girl, Nicole. And Nicole turned around and said to her, no, I'm not. I'm my father's princess. <laughs> I love that answer too much. She refused to answer to that name. That's not me. You're mistaken. Okay, so maybe she got caught doing something bad. Doesn't define her. Let's talk about that. But who she is is not a naughty little girl. It's my daddy's princess. So the most, so, so let's, now that you got those three settled, did you settle with those? Let's, let's, let's play with it a little. Let's get a little feel for this, and this is my experience. The, the most effective this has been is when I ask for God's perspective. When I go to the Lord and I say, could you speak to me about my wife, about my daughter, about this man, about that lady? 
And he starts to whisper to me about who he sees and what he's made them to be. And I've just taken a little bit of time to wait on the Lord to hear that stuff. Because when I come out, I then speak it to them. It has an authority in the spirit. And so I learned to do this deliberately. I'd say, I'd call my daughter, I'd say, oh, I was praying for you this morning, I'd, dropping off at school. Man, I had a good time with the Lord this morning. He told me a lot about you. She goes, what? Okay, there's no time now. I'll talk to you after school. <laughs> What did the Lord say? Because this is what the Lord told me about you. Many, many times. She started tearing up. Because it wasn't immediately evident. It was the stuff secretly in her heart that the Lord knows and he whispered to me. So I just want to say, take some time. Psalm 40, many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders that you have done and the things that you have planned for us. None can compare with you. And were I to speak and tell of these things that you planned for us, they would be too many to declare. One version of the scripture says, they outnumber the grains of sand. God has more dreams and plans and thoughts for you than you can enumerate. And so the question I said, when I go to the Lord, I said, could you just download 15 or 20 of them? I just wanna know a few secrets about my wife. Tell me about her. What have you made her to be? Who she is? Because then when I step into I go, I'm spending some time with the Lord. He spoke to me about this thing in you. And I just want to say, I love that too. Don't ever stop. Life-giving speech can create life. So this is what I've learned. Ask Jesus, number one, tell me who this person is. Tell me their identity. Now, this is a trick. Now, this is a, I tell you a truth. Here you go. Identity in God does not change. Once you come into Christ, this is what Corinthians 12 says. It says, when you believed, the Holy Spirit baptized you into the body of Christ. The person who's doing the baptizing is the Holy Spirit. The medium into which he's baptizing you is into the body of Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ. That's how you get saved. He takes you as a sinner, kills the old you, makes you born again, submerges you into the body of Christ. Then the Bible says he seals you in Christ. Right? You know that scripture. You're now in Christ and sealed in Christ. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he never speaks to you as though you're outside of Christ. He's always speaking to you in Christ. Amen, Greg. That's really good. Thank you very much. I just thought there should be some feedback. Holy Spirit never sees you outside of Christ if you're in Christ. You're in Christ. And he's going to speak to you in Christ. And that means even when you're stupid. Can you say stupid? I don't know where we are in the world. Sometimes you can not say that. Even when you're doing stupid things. Just because you did stupid things doesn't change the fact that you're in Christ. Because you're in Christ by supernatural work of the living God. So he keeps speaking to your identity in Christ. You're holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us to be holy and blameless in his sight, in Christ. Don't change somebody's identity because they're doing foolish things. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said, to the holy people of God in Corinth, to the saints in Corinth, that's his address. He says to them, by the way, the people in Corinth are getting drunk on the communion wine, they're being selfish and eating their own food, not sharing it with anybody. There's bickering going on in the church to the point where they're dividing. Paul says they're doing spiritual gifts in such an immature way that their meetings are doing more harm than good. The one guy's sleeping with his mother-in-law and the church are celebrating it. And some of the men are sleeping with temple prostitutes because they live in Corinth and it's it's that kind of city. That's what's going on in the church. And when I first read that, I was like, Paul, what are you talking about? God's holy people. They're the furthest thing from God's holy people. And to them, he writes, do you not know that you are the naos, is the Greek word, the most holy place? Not the holy place, you're the most holy place where God's presence lives. Now, don't take 
the most holy place and united with a prostitute. Stop, stop doing that. But it doesn't change the definition of them. They're still God's holy people. That's amazing. God's grace is profound. What do you like about them, Lord? What's their character? The other day, I was at church. My granddaughter came in a princess outfit. She's into princesses now. She had a tiara on and she put a tiara down and she went running around. And, and then this little two-year-old girl came in and saw the tiara and she was like, oh. And she put the tiara on and she was living the dream, you know. And my granddaughter came back in and she saw this other little girl with her tiara on and she, and that, that hey, that's mine thing went through. I, what? Because I was just standing there watching. And she was like, hey, that's mine. And then she stopped herself. And she got down on her knees in front of this little two-year-old and she said, you look so beautiful. And I loved that moment because I saw something in her spirit of a kindness that resides there. So they were coming to dinner the next Monday. I went out and bought gifts. We had balloons. I had a thing over. I said, I, she said, Granddad, what's that? I go, that's ah, for you. Said, Can I open it? I go, no, wait till the dinner. So she says, what's this for? So I told her, I saw something in you. I saw who you are. You're an extremely kind young woman, and I love that about you. She teared up, all shy. So I'm taking a moment here because I saw something beautiful and I want to reinforce that character. I won't let it go by. I won't miss an opportunity to speak that life. We had a, we had a young girl and she was painfully shy. And we did her baptism. She was about 15 and she wanted to be baptized and we baptized and afterwards we were praying for infilling the Holy Spirit and I was praying for her and the Lord showed me this picture of her and she was holding out her hand meekly and the enemy had handcuffs and he was about to put them on her and she grabbed the enemy and she put the handcuffs on him. And it was so violent. I, 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 I was like, wow. And the Lord said, she's gonna take captivity captive. But she was the shyest little thing. But the Lord said, that's who she is. So I was like, so I said to her, you, I said, if there's ever a fight, if there's manifestation, demonic manifestation, I want you at my side. Because you are going to take the enemy down. You are ferocious. You're going to take captivity captive. She couldn't believe it. Her folks couldn't believe it. I took her dad aside. I said, I want you to, I, I want you to understand who she is in the spirit. This is whom God has called her to be. Three years later, painfully shy girl, three years later, led a team of students around the world on mission trips for over a year. Because her parents started to call her, you take captivity captive. She began to live into something that was not there until the Lord said, look and see what it is. Ask how the Lord created them in their giftedness. You have a communication gift. Click. It doesn't cost you anything. I was walking the other day, we have a, one of our administrators, a lady, lovely lady, and I saw her doing something good and I stopped by her office and she was like, you know, the senior guys here, what, what did I do wrong? And I said, I just wanna say, what you, and I pointed out a specific gifting and I said, you know, that is so helpful to us on this team and I'm so grateful that you're part of the team because that thing really blesses us. It took me less than 30 seconds. Something got unlocked in her. Some confidence was unlocked. Some, some joy about being in this position at this church. Cost me 30 seconds. Are you listening? So my advice to you is write it down. Ask the Lord. Go to the Lord about somebody and ask him those questions. And write it down. And then start speaking to that. Because if you believe it in your heart, you speak it with your mouth, you have creative power. Oh, Greg, you're just, you're, just, you're just forcing this up. No, no, no. People live into it because your tongue has that power. I, some men have come to me for counseling. I've told them, you write this down, buddy. You go, this is your homework, and write down about your wife what it is the Lord tells you, and then I want you to say that. 
Oh, she didn't believe me. Okay, it's not telling her once. It's telling her a hundred times. And about the hundredth time, she'll start to say, maybe he means it. And about the thousandth time, she'll start living into it. If you learn to love this, you'll eat the fruit of it. Now, I just want to say, be especially careful in three areas because I found this is where I've tripped up the most. Number one, when I'm angry. I have learned to shut down when I'm angry because my mouth can betray me in anger. And somehow people believe, uh, according to James Dobson, they said if you say one negative thing, it takes you seven positive things to make up for that one negative thing. I just discovered it's easier not to say the one negative thing. <laughs> right? So I just had to learn because when I get into a, I actually quite like a fight. I, I'm wired funny. I quite like a verbal sparring. I quite get woken up in that environment. My brain gets very clear. My tongue can become very cutting. And I've just had to learn, this is not a gift I'm going to pursue in my life. I have to lock down when I'm angry. and I have to be extremely careful. And I, I, I tell myself, be very careful of definitions. For such a beautiful and astute person, that comment was out of line. I don't understand it. Keep the definition. Rebuke the behavior. In humor. Humor is a wonderful gift, but too often humor is at the expense of somebody. I knew a, a woman, her father used to laughingly say, she's the vacuum cleaner, she'll just eat anything. That was funny when she was six. It wasn't great when she was 16. And when you're exhausted. Be careful when you're tired. That's angry, humorous, and exhaustion. Of the, of the times I, I most need to say, all right, I'm gonna have to be exceptionally careful. Now, let's get into some specifics because I'm gonna try and get through some. I've got six or seven points depending on how, many, how much time we have. I wanna get through to them and I wanna talk to you a little bit about these so we can practice this and play with this. Number one, learn how to be consistent. That means you don't say, wonderful thing, then a bad thing, then a wonderful thing, then a bad thing. You say wonderful, 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 wonderful. You keep saying the same thing. You cannot, you cannot vacillate because people, if people don't know what's coming out of your mouth, it's, it's blessing and then it's, it's rebuke, then it's blessing and then you're slapping them. Then, then half the time they go, yeah, I'm not sure I wanna hear because I don't know what's coming out of his mouth. But if it's constant blessing, if you're always encouraging, if you're always uplifting, then they go, when they need that, they come to you. Can you can speak to me? I had a young guy come to me, he goes, oh, I'm really feeling down, I need encouragement. And I said, uh-huh. And he said, so encourage. <laughs> Internally, I was like, yes. Because he goes, no, encouragement comes out of your mouth I'm, and I'm here for that. So do, do your thing, do that thing you do. <laughs> Be consistent. It's the consistency of what you say that creates authority. It's like, you know, have you ever played with, with, with a little stick and you dip it into hot wax and then you pull it out and you blow on it? A little layer of wax forms and you, you dip it in a second time and another layer forms on top of that. If you keep doing that, it's, just, it's like that. If you say something once, it has authority. If you keep saying it, same place, same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. The layered authority adds up. People are gonna come to you for what they know regularly comes out of your mouth. And if what regularly comes out of your mouth is, is, is cursing, they'll avoid you. It just is what it is. So when you're talking to your spouse, or when you're talking to your kids, or when you're talking to people that you love, make sure that the consistency of your mouth is the same. If I was to take your children or your spouse at your funeral and say, what was, tell me, what was the most consistent thing they said to you? What was the most consistent message you got from this person? Because I'll tell you what my dad's was. You can do this, boy. This is, you can do this. He must have told me that 100,000 times in my life. You could do this. I have faith in you. You could do this. What's the most consistent thing you say to your spouse? 
Make it life-giving. Make it wise or encouraging or loving or creative. Number two, be constant. Consistent is to be, say the same thing. Constant is to say the same thing again and again and again and again and again and again. Keep saying whatever it is that you're saying. <laughs> this is the stuff of months and years. Well, I said it. I told her I loved her when I married her and it's been 30 years and I haven't changed my mind. Well, <laughs> what's the most constant thing? The most regular thing you say? Number three, be deliberate. If you hear nothing else in this message, I hope you hear this one. This is the point I want you to hear. Be deliberate. People go, well, you, you just, because you, you have a communication gift, you can just, you, it just flows from you. No, it doesn't flow from me. Sometimes I've had to spend time with the Lord and write stuff down and then go, that doesn't sound right. Rewrite it, then wordsmith it, and then I come up with a phrase. And then I'll use that. For many, many, for many years, I called a woman in my life, formidable woman. I just say to my wife, you're a formidable woman. I said, my daughter, you're formidable. Why? I think the first time I said it, they were like, oh yeah. No, because I want them to be confident, formidable. And honestly, honestly, they both are formidable. In the spirit, they take names and kick butt, if you don't mind me expression. They really are formidable. But you and I have to be focused on this. We have to be deliberate about it. You have to memorize some stuff. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. That's what Proverbs 31 says, the, the man says to his wife. I must have said that 10,000 times to my wife in my lifetime. Many women do noble things. So you, how about this one? How about this one? Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears God, ah, she's to be praised. Be authoritative. If this is your child or your spouse, you have more authority than anybody else. Do not let the enemy, don't let anybody else just renounce and rebuke that and break it down. I, I, sometimes when people I love come home and go, this person said that, I just say that's just a lie. I just renounce it. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. That is not the truth and I will not have it in this house. Let me tell you what the truth is. This is who you are. This is what I like. That's what the Lord said. This is what we're gonna do. I will not have that because it is not anybody else's authority to define those whom God has given under my authority. It's my job and it's your job. Well, they don't wanna listen. I don't care if they're listening. It's your authority. I told my mother before I met Jesus, I said, I don't want your Jesus. Then I walked straight into the room, lay on the bed and said, Jesus, please forgive me, don't listen to what I just said. And all my mother knew was the rebellion. I don't buy it anymore when kids are like, oh, I'm not listening to you. I go, I was that guy. I used to be that guy. I'm not buying it. Don't buy it. You have authority. Speak it. Number five, be an eavesdropper. I listen in, if I hear anything good about somebody I love, I eavesdrop like crazy. And I go back to them, I go, you know what I heard them saying about you? Behind your back. They said, you did such a great job and they've never seen it done as good. Just thought you'd need to know that. I'm gonna eavesdrop in heaven. What are you saying about them? Okay, you know, I spent some time with the Lord. You know what he said about you? This is who you are. I love that. I eavesdrop all the time, as much as I can. Be an eavesdropper. Every good report, repackaged and reported. Number six, be a treasure hunter. Sometimes treasures are hard to find. Sometimes when you look at people, you go, I don't think there's much there, Lord. <laughs> or is it, maybe that's just me. But then you have to go treasure hunting. If I told you that hidden on these church grounds, the, the Kruger gold is here somewhere and it's worth 10 billion rand. 
and someone yell on the grounds. And you really believe me? You'd show up next Sunday with a shovel and a metal detector. There's treasure in the people around you. Sometimes it's hard to find. Sometimes it's quite deep. Go find the treasure and speak to the treasure. Seek it out. Most treasure requires a great deal of work. Well, I don't want to have to work. Well, that's what, that's, where it, that's what treasure takes. Because God, in his kindness, is going to give you moments and you don't know when they're coming. You know those golden moments when you just, the moment everything's right and your kid just opens up their heart to you or your spouse or your friend. I found it very useful to have three or four things in, in my pouch to go take it out in a moment and go, boom, this is who you are. This is what the Lord has said. My daughter went through, she was going through a tough patch because she had so many prophetic words that she's a warrior. And I got a little bit ticked, to be honest with you, about the people who go, okay, she's a girl, stop calling her a warrior. I mean, people gave her gifts of knives and stuff. I was like, are you seriously? This is weird. But after a while, I realized that is who God made her to be. She's gonna take down some giants, this, this little girl. She's gonna, there's a ferocity in her spirit and so God wired her. And then she was a little down and because she'd had a period of about 18 months where there would be no challenge and she doesn't respond well to no challenge because God wired her to be a warrior. And she came and Dad, I'm, I don't know why I'm so down. I said, when last did you take on a project and kill something, you know? <laughs> she goes, it's been a long time. I said to her, you're a warrior and you're sitting among the tents. What do you think's gonna happen to a warrior who sits among the tents for 18 months? She said, you're right. I, internally, I heard her take out her sword and then I thought, duck everybody because she's looking for something to take on. When those moments come, it's good for you to have it in your pouch. This is who you are. Be a creative disciplinarian. When you're angry, be very careful and controlled about what you say. Define exactly right even when you're mad. I'm surprised that someone as bright and astute as you fell for that lie. Can I just say, your tongue has power. You can speak life. You can speak direction. You can speak definition. And if you get... If you really practice this, you can get really good at it. And if you're really good at it, everybody around you has shiny eyes. And it doesn't cost you a lot. A little while back, a couple of years ago, the Lord said, I want you to start doing this. So on my calendar, I don't tell them that, but on my calendar, it's got a guy's name. And, and next month it pops up, first Thursday of the month, his name. First Friday of the month, somebody else's name. And my calendar just reminds me every day, hey, and I wait on the Lord for a few minutes. I go, Lord, talk to me about them. And then I text them. That's what the Lord is saying, life-giving speech. And the fruit, and they, they cannot believe. This is so This is so helpful. And it's so embarrassing for me because it takes so little effort for so much fruit. There is a boatload of fruitfulness on the other side of you learning how to do this well. So I just wanna say, go for it. Let me pray for you. Father, would you teach us how, how to do this well? Give us, Lord, life-giving speech. Would you pour out, Lord, of your spirit on us? Would you whisper to us, Lord, in the watches of the night? Would you show us, Lord, who our loved ones are and who, Lord, do you see them to be and would you enable us, Lord, to speak well? We wanna speak life and direction and definition to those you've given us. Lord, Holy Spirit, once again, we say we need you. Would you teach us and show us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Come on, Michelle is going to share a prophetic word that the Lord has laid on her heart regarding the church. Please do so. Thank you. I, 
I just, on, just want to honor Pastor John and Mondry for having us and just want to take a few minutes to share some life-giving words over, over you as, as a church. And I had a picture when I was praying for you before we came of the roof of your church lifting up. Um, and it spoke to me of just of the winds of the Holy Spirit blowing in, but also blowing out. And I just felt like the Lord said that he has called you to demonstrate a greater freedom um, what greater freedom looks like in a place where there's peace and order because there is peace and there's order in this house and there's a freedom of the spirit. And um, I don't know exactly what that is meant to look like, but I do believe the Lord wants to replicate what is here. What he's doing here is not just for you. You are building beyond yourselves. There are many, many people that need what you have here. And I felt like the Lord said, some of you are going to join for a season, but then you're going to go out and you're going to do what you've learned here. You're going to take something and sow it further. And there's a call on you, I believe, to replicate to and to create spaces where the Holy Spirit can move, where there's freedom. It's part of the anointing of worship here. And to Pastor John and Mandri, during the worship, during the second service worship, um, the Lord gave me a picture of the two of you with large spades, and I saw you adding soil and water to a large tree. And I believe the Lord says that you have done well to protect and nurture the root system of this ministry. And sometimes you've had to stand alone doing that. But the Lord says you've watered and you've added good soil and you've seen good fruit. And there's some risks that you've taken and there's places you have walked that have required much faith. And many have gleaned from the decisions that you've made, but you've paid, you've paid the price. And God says he wants to manifest his favor on your lives. He wants people to see the favor of God on you. And you will continue to see much fruit. And you will continue to enjoy the fruit of your labor. And I believe the Lord is giving you as a couple a greater authority in this nation. He wants you to be seen because you've been faithful. I feel like the Lord says there are words that are taught here and what God is doing here that needs to go further. 1 Chronicles 18, 14 says, David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all his people. And you have chosen to do what is right for your people. You've made good decisions and you've stood for what is right for your nation. Um, you've walked in integrity and the Lord thanks you for that. I believe the Lord thanks you for that. I believe that God says that Choose Life stands as a significant and needed lampstand in this nation. And God wants you and he's called you to be a manifestation of the favor of God. Amen. Let's stand together and close in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for everything that you have done today. Lord, this has been a rich time, and we honor you, King Jesus. And now as we go out into the rest of the day and the week ahead, we go knowing that you're a faithful God, and you will walk with us each step of the way. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have